Hello everybody and welcome back to another edition of Kavan. Of course, if you're somehow new here, it is a Doctor Who podcast where we focus and discuss a lot about Doctor Who, DVDs, Blu-rays, all the physical media of Doctor Who. Um, and certainly we're going to be doing a bit of that today as we're discussing a, a, a story and its special features that is very much connected to the new episode of Doctor Who coming up on Easter Sunday in Legend of the Sea Devils because today we're tackling The Sea Devils, the original from 1972. I couldn't quite believe it was 50 years ago when I read it as well, which just is crazy to me. Um, but yes, as always, I'm joined by my three trusty guests. Uh, Ryan, how are you getting on today? I'm doing very well, Elliot. I'm really excited to talk about Actually, a good Sea Devil story uh, for once. Uh, yes, we're, we're, be- we're saving the worst to last, aren't we, with um, Warriors next week. We'll focus on the good one. Oh, boy, that's going to be... Yeah. <laughs> well, again, full thoughts next week. But yeah. yeah. At least we have we have the good one first. At least we're starting off on a positive yes. note. Yes, let's, let's focus on the positives for now. Um, Charlie, are you excited to discuss the Sea Devils? I am, yes. I ha- I did see it a couple of weeks ago, so I've not got the sharpest memory of it, but uh, yeah, I've seen the special features, and I do have some words to say about the trailer for Legend of the Sea Devils that was released yes, yesterday. Yes, indeed, yeah. Bill, did you like the look of the Legend of the Sea Devils trailer? Yeah, I did. Um, it looks really, really good. Um, I think it's going to be a really fun episode, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, we'll come on, we'll talk more about it at the end, but I think it's going to be one to um, certainly look forward to in, well, as we record it, two weeks a day, but it's probably less than that by the time you listen to this. Uh, so before we get into the podcast proper, I just wanted to bring a little news update about the season 22 Blu-ray, because of course, when we chatted about it, did our big, you know, announce, when they announced it and did our big podcast about it, I think it was about two months ago. Now, um, the rumoured release date was going to be the middle of March, the 14th of March, I think was the original date. Of course, we're past that and it hasn't happened. They had the bfi event which generally happens you know two maybe one or two weeks before the release um which was on the 6th of march where they showed revelation of the daleks and some of the sort of clips of the special features as well to give a little hint of it so it was clearly you know basically finished and ready to go but it's not it's not come out it's not had any news about it it wasn't in doctor magazine for this month which suggests it's at least another four weeks before we're going to get it so I, i i've you know been doing the the scouring of the forums to try and find out what's going on and although there's no you know clear defined answer it's seems to be that the um it's a delay in the packaging um because the packaging is done somewhere abroad i honestly can't remember where it's somewhere in eastern europe i think quite near ukraine which is probably why you know i don't think it's hard to work out why therefore things might be a little bit delayed at the moment so um yeah unfortunately it's delayed it's not because you know the bbc have suddenly decided to stop making them or because the content can't be made or whatever like it's nothing to do with that it's literally just a packaging issue because of more important world events going on right now um but i have seen the uh, original website that basically gave the rumoured date of the 14th of March has now given an updated date of the 20th of June. So I'm putting my money on that being roughly when we like to expect it. Obviously, that's still quite a way away because it's two and a half months from now, which is a bit of a shame. Um, I was looking forward to getting stuck into at least the special features of season 22. But um, yeah, it's good to know that at least it's it should still be on the way. Chris Chapman was on the forums the other day saying there's lots of things to look forward to and still lots of excitement to come. So as far as it seems to be the case, it looks like they're still cracking on with production on new documentaries for future releases and, and all of that. It's simply just the packaging can't come through so they can't currently release them. Um, but I do feel like we're suddenly going to end up with like a bit of a backlog and then we'll end up with season 22 in June. I wouldn't be surprised if we got two more by the end of the year as well, if we're really lucky. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see how you know the rest of the year goes. But um, I just want 
wanted to give it an update because we haven't mentioned it for a few for a couple of months now and i thought you know people might be wondering what the heck's happened to it because just no one's talking about it but that's essentially the reason why um so yeah, after that little update let's get cracking on with the sea devils now um obviously legend of the sea devils is coming up in two weeks time on easter sunday so it felt no better time than to look back on both of the sea devil stories of classic who uh the sea as we mentioned ryan the sea devils the better one and warriors of the deep the more debatable one but that's for next week so we're not going to talk about that we're going to leave it for next week and deal with that 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 difficult issue um in a week's time uh so who wants to kick us off with some thoughts on the sea devils um well with the sea devils i think it's easily one of the best um john pertwee stories easily um i like the fact that um it's an it's set on earth but it doesn't rely on unit you may think with everything going on that unit might be involved but yeah it doesn't it features the navy which is a, a, a definitely a something unexpected i think it's mm. definitely something makes it a bit more realistic in that sense that they're actually relying on a on real world forces to help combat what is clearly an and sort of a creature threat and the fact that it does work really well as a sort of semi-sequel to the Silurian, the fact that it's reusing a lot of the same sort of ideas of of the Silurians. And it's instead of it being in the tunnels and on land, it's now taking place in the sea, which is definitely much more, again, makes it feel more different while still still keeping in with the ideas of the previous story. And the fact you throw in Roger Delgado's master into the mix, which is always a welcome treat. He is still my favourite master today. Roger Delgado always elevates scenes whenever he's on screen, especially more so when he's with John Pertwee. And so it's just a really damn good story with some memorable scenes, whether it's the sea devils emerging from the waters or um, that infamous fight between the Doctor and the Master. And it still sticks to this very day. The fact more so that when I... A little bit of a side story. Went to the um, the Doctor proms in 2013. I remember that when they did sort of the musical montage of classic yep. Doctor. When it got to the third Doctor's here, they played a bit of music from the mm. Sea Devils yeah. and the the most when he's going through the minefield and the Sea Devils emerging from the water. It it just goes to show what an iconic story this is. After well, it's behind me if you're watching the YouTube version as well. The Sea Devils <laughs> coming out of the water. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's just an amazing story. Absolutely. Yeah, no, um, I certainly have very, you know, positive opinions on it generally. I think it's I think it's a fantastic story. But um, Charlie, what are some of your highlights or favourite moments from this story? I feel definitely um, that one sword fight between the Doctor and the Master when they're in the prison. Mm. I feel it's just a really iconic scene. And it's really just showing how, you know, Pertwee and Delgado's on like off screen off off screen chemistry yeah. sort of shines through into the actual thing like you can tell that although they're enemies they're actually just having a really fun time and it's just enjoyable to watch because of that and obviously Pertwee gets some iconic moments while he um while he just picks up the sandwich while they're having sword fights and eats it um yeah yeah it, it's it's just a really fun and iconic scene probably my favorite of the episode um obviously as well the sea devils emerging um, you know, the, the Doctor running through the minefield, like you said before, and obviously the whole final episode, you know, the battle on the naval base was yeah. just iconic in itself. I feel, um, although I, I do feel the more memorable moments of this don't feature sea devils, I feel it's 
I feel the best moments with the characters, not that I don't like the sea devils, but they're just sort of a thing to make the characters do things. It's, you know, that's more what it is, I feel. Yeah, I certainly noticed this, which is, I don't think it's a negative thing. It's just kind of something I observed on this this viewing of it was compared to the Silurians, which we is, is sort of, you know, a good episode to compare it to. There's similar ideas behind both of them. It feels with the Silurians that there's a lot, the, almost these Silurians themselves have a lot more character. There's, a you know, there's these sort of inner um, conflict between the Silurians with the sort of older one who's more, you know, we want to try and negotiate the peace and then the young one who just just like, I want to kill everybody um, and ultimately kills the older one. And, you know, that that's the sort of those dynamics there. Whereas it feels like in the Sea Devils, firstly, the Sea Devils aren't really in it very much for the first three episodes. Like, they're, you know, they're kind of the threat, but the master's kind of the sort of face of it almost and actually the one getting involved in all of it rather than the Sea Devils until, you know, they come in later in the story. And we only actually ever hear one i think the sea devil leader is the only leader who, the only sea devil who ever has any dialogue on screen as well so there isn't any sort of you know internal conflict between the sea devils in any way which which is is makes doesn't make them you know necessarily any worse but i think it's just because you've got the sort of master as almost the main villain who's work using the using the sea devils essentially um it means that he gets much more of the focus than than the sea devils which i think is fair enough but it's i think it's just notable that there's slightly less of a feature of the whole story compared to say the silurians in doctor and the silurians but um bill what are your sort of general thoughts on um, the sea devils yeah um again it like everybody else i really enjoy it um yeah i think it's it's it is a really good john pertwee story but it, it's one that again as like ryan was saying it's it's kind of an earthbound story but without having the unit family and i notice actually with that particular season season nine they don't they kind of start to slowly get away from the Earthbound unit stuff a lot. Um, I think probably because they were kind of running a little bit out of ideas in some ways with that. Yeah, probably. Because um, they used it that much for the previous two seasons. Mm. So, um, but yeah, I, I think it, it does make for, um, like, obviously the um, dynamic you have with the unit family normally with the Brigadier and everything um, cannot ever be beaten, really. But I think the Royal Navy stuff is still really good. And Captain Hart is still like a really good character. Mm. Um, and yeah, and his interactions with the Doctor and everything. Again, not as good as perhaps the Brigadiers, but, you know, it's still some really good scenes uh, yeah, between yeah. them. Um, I think it is mostly, I think the story is mostly about, even though, yes, there are sea devils in it, and it's their first story, um, as you were kind of saying, they're not really in it that much. So I think it's more about um, the doc what the Doctor and the Master are doing, essentially, and their rivalry between each other and everything, um, which, you know, is is fine. I mean, that's completely fine. And I really enjoy um, John Pertwee and Roger Delgado on screen together because um, no disrespect to any Doctor or Master that's come since, but I think they are the best doctor master pairing yeah because uh, it I just agree. works so well together and you kind of get the impression of well it's you know you get the impression that they used to be friends um and there's still even though now they're on opposite sides there's still that kind of mutual respect and like caring for each other in a way because you know like at the beginning of the story i think joe says something to the doctor about how oh you know you're just kind of um um it's something about 
you know, how much the doctor kind of cares for the master and wants to make sure that he's being looked after and everything. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's kind of nice. It, it's not just your standard hero and villain dynamic. It's, you know, it's, there's something underneath that, which is really interesting. Um, mm. The sea devils themselves are really good. Um, but as you say, that even though it's their first story, they're perhaps not as used perhaps as much as they could have been. But I think that is it doesn't necessarily, that's not necessarily a negative thing for the story, because I think it still works really well as it is. Um, and I think in some ways it's, not to say Doctor and the Silurians is a bad story, but I think in some ways this kind of does what the Silurians was doing a bit better in that it it's, um, it's an episode less for a start in terms of duration, so that helps it. Um, yeah. And also it's kind of, with Doctor and the Silurians, there's a lot of talking and everything of mm. between characters, and that's good, don't get me wrong, but with the Sea Devils, it's more, it's really action-packed with True. so much yeah. stuff going on. Um, and I think that kind of makes it more of an engaging story to watch, really, in some ways. Um, but they're both really good stories. And, yeah, I think the Sea Devils, it's kind of, I'm kind of glad that it, it does retread some of the same ground as the Silurians, but not so much that it feels like really repetitive and boring and if it, it still brings something new to the table yeah i I, th- I think that you know the master is really kind of that added dynamic to it obviously you have a completely different sort of feel and aesthetic to the story by having it set at sea um and having the navy as the sort of replacement for unit as you said captain hart is the sort of surrogate um brigadier in this story and sort of taking on that role and you say it does a pretty good job of it but i think just adding in the master who essentially his plan is like i want to bring the sea devils out to get them to kill all the humans just to spite you doctor it's basically his plan like classic master stuff but it just adds a slightly different dynamic to what we see in the silurians where it's much more about trying to negotiate the peace and that sort of extends over a long period of time whereas you know the doctor kind of tries it for three minutes until obviously you know the stupid humans decide to launch some missiles into the in, under, underwater and it all rather goes wrong there um which is quite in- interesting but yeah charlie what what do you what do you think about the sort of comparisons between the silurians and the sea devils and uh, with this story yeah so for a long time i um i did prefer um doctor who and the silurians to the sea devils mostly because mm. i'm very nostalgic for season seven because it's mm. the first time i really got into classic doctor who and I, I remember waiting after finishing spearhead from space so i immediately ordered the story and i watched <laughs> it in like two sittings and loved it and it was yeah. brilliant yeah. um and i still do think it's a really good story like, oh yeah it's probably my least favorite in season seven but it has like some of the steepest competitions so <laughs> just a bit yeah it's mm. yeah so it's probably the weakest of season seven and i now i probably do prefer the sea devils a bit because as you were saying bill it kind of just has a bit more extra over you know doctor who and the silurians because of the added dynamic with the master which is probably why you know i, I do i do feel it succeeds because of the master like it wouldn't be as good without him and i feel he's mm. there to add an level of like complexity and an intricate villain compared to the sea devils who while they're great they're basically just there to be shot down and to provide some action you know they're not it's not really as philosophical and Mm. deep and moralistic as doctor who and the silurians which i feel that's a strength of doctor who and the silurians that this story doesn't have but i do feel this is better purely because of the master and his dynamic with the doctor and i feel 
no disrespect to Liz Shaw, but I do feel Joe is a much better and more a more developed companion here as well. So mm, yeah, yeah. Although I, I did feel like watching it that Joe didn't have huge amounts to do. I felt she was often kind of put off to the side. I know obviously there's a joke about making the sandwiches and stuff, um, which you know gets taken off her and things. But I just felt like it's a while since I've watched any other Pertwee stories, but it she felt slightly sidelined as a character in this story. Not not you know not like she wasn't involved, but just a little bit. Um, but Ryan, what do you think about the sort of um, Doctor Master stuff early in the story? We you know we 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 kind of see it for. A rare, a rare occasion in Classic Hill, a good bit of continuity where we see the the Master in prison after being arrested at the end of Season 8. We've had a couple of, I think, Day of the Daleks and Curse of Peladon, and then we get into this, the Sea Devils. So is it nice to kind of continue that storyline on in a sort of natural way from the end of Season 8? Definitely. And I like the fact that they, this is the first time that the Master's more used as a recurring villain rather than being the principal mm. main villain as he was throughout Season 8. And I think they mentioned in um in one of the documentaries i think it was for this story or for a one about the master in another uh season collection that um that they realized once they use them realized that by having the master in every single story of season eight it does run the risk of becoming a bit repetitive even though mm. i personally love season eight and it's probably still my favorite pertwee season i can understand to an extent where they're coming from because yes it's always called that oh the masters behind all this but once you do that for every single story it does start to become very repetitive so i like the fact that they decided to make him more of a recurring villain as he is as he is still is to this very day and i like the fact that it's sort of continuing on it shows where he's been since the events of the demons that he's in prison but Shock of all shocks, he's in somehow he's in control of it basically because he's got yeah. the governor and the guards on his side, and yeah. he's able to come and go whenever he pleases. And I like, as um, Bill was saying, it is, and Bill Charles said, it is nice that you have sort of this, as I said, that whenever they're together, the dots and the master, it just elevates things, and it, and it does show that the dots, uh, even though they're on opposite sides now, and the dots are. Uh, he said he must be, stay there forever. It shows that he does still care about him, that he's still deep down his best friend. I think this was the first time they explicitly say that the Master was once the Doctor's friend. I don't think it was mentioned at all in Season 8. No, I think it's the think first so. time mm. they, they mentioned it. Again, adding a bit more history, which I always appreciate the fact that the Doctor always gives a little bit of his backstory, but it, it's, it's just very brief and it's glossed over and they it, it does add a little bit but it, but it never delve into it too much and they're able to continue which was again one of many reasons why I'm not a huge fan of the timeless child <laughs> but again that's it all different kind of worms but uh, anyway back to the master it's it, again it just adds a lot more layers to it and and this sort of dive deep into sort of the doctor master sort of friendship slash enemy rivalry i it is definitely the best that it's ever been i don't think it's quite the only doctor master pair that does come close for me is probably peter capaldi and michelle gomez yeah i think that was the for me the only time i ever feel like that it comes close to capturing that sort of the magic that john Pertwee mm. and roger delgado had i mean but then again Stephen Moffat completely redefined the master with yeah. um, Michelle Gomez's incarnation by having her start as 
the typical villain before becoming more and more of an anti-hero as mm. as the journey goes on, which I still think is one of the best um, story arcs ever, showing her progression and her encounter with John Sims' master and everything that was going on. So, mm-hmm. And I just like the fact that this has sort of helped lays the groundwork for that a little bit by establishing that. And obviously, Roger Delgado is, well, he's still the king. He's yeah. always liked things or whatever he's on screen and you can tell he genuinely is having a lot of fun playing the master and the fact that as as mentioned before their chemistry the chemistry between John Pertwee and Roger just shines all the way through and I will never forget that fight is still an absolute high point John Pertwee even um as time to sort of make jokes throughout just adds a another layer to it and yeah I, for me some of the master stuff in this seat in this story is definitely some of the top tier master storytelling there's there's definitely been to date absolutely yeah, yeah yeah definitely i mean i i think that that fight at the end of you know episode two between the doctor and the master is it works because it's so well choreographed it's so well scripted and then performed and edited so that it really you know it really sells it it feels convincing i think which so often those sort of scenes can just look a bit you know like they are staged whereas i feel like you really believe in this scene and then obviously ending the episode on the cliffhanger the master throwing a knife seemingly at the doctor as well obviously we know he's not going to do it but it's not actually going to hit him but it's still just a cool moment to end that story on on that episode of the story on i think which is 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 a really great moment um and yeah as you say ryan i definitely agree that delgado and pertwee are not going to be beaten anytime soon um yeah the master missy's come close with her very different interpretation of it but yeah outside of that you've got madman john sim a sort of antony the kind of poor man's roger delgado and we don't talk about eric roberts um but yeah um i do i think he definitely got better. I think Johnson yeah. was definitely at his best when he was in that last story with Capaldi. I yeah, think that was definitely. at his best. And honestly, I think I wished he was like that from the get-go because mm. my problem with him throughout Tenant's Road was that he was just way too... It felt like an odd mesh of him trying to be serious and threatening, but yet at the same time, he's, next minute, he's just manic and goofy. Yeah. It just never feels like never quite know what to do with his master. Uh, whereas I feel like in in the in the last story with Capaldi, he, they make him more of a ruthless, just manipulative, um, just I'm sorry, an absolute bastard on every single level. And I absolutely yeah. love it because that is, I feel like that is the master that John Sim should have been playing from the get-go. That sort of nasty, manipulative master that's mm. always messing with everyone. And I feel like that is kind of how I feel like the master should be at times. And and no disrespect to Sasha Dewan, he's done a great job. Yeah. But I just felt like there have been times more so in the Timeless Children where he just sort of plays it a little bit too silly, especially during the bit after he waste, gets rid of the lone Cyberman. He just goes a little bit crazy yeah. in that mode. And I just hope. I mean, we all know that he's probably going to come back in Jodie Whittaker's final story. Yeah. I'm hoping, I really hope he just delivers a consistently just sort of downright nasty performance in mm. her last story. I'm just hoping he delivers big time. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm certainly looking forward to seeing what you know. You never know. You might turn up at the cliffhanger at the end of Legend of the Sea Devils if we're lucky. Um, well, if there is a cliffhanger, we we can but hope it'd be quite fun. Um, but um, Bill, just having a bit more to chat about the Sea Devils. Um, I I thought one of the things I really noticed watching it is. Firstly, the amount of location footage featured in this. Obviously, we introduced the Navy. There's so many shots on boats and out at sea. And I feel like the transition between sort of a studio and location footage also works really effectively. I mean, do you feel like the sort of location aspect of this really enhanced the story for you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the fact that a lot of it is set at sea or under water later on with the Sea Devils base and everything, I think that works really well because it, it just it makes it more of a unique story in many ways because, mm. you know, um, not to, not to like say anything bad about John Pertwee era, but a lot of, um, you know, his early stories were kind of the same old earthbound unit story. Um, and this, yeah, this is still an earthbound story, but it's got more of a unique feel to it because of the fact that so much of it is set at sea. Um, and I don't know, it kind of, in a way, it almost feels kind of um, slightly claustrophobic in a way. Like it's the most of the action really is set on this tiny little island. Um, and so, you know, it's not the it's it's kind of in some ways. I wouldn't say necessarily better, but it's it's different anyway to um, what we'd normally get when a lot of the earthbound stories are set on the mainland and everything um whereas this one because it so much of it is set at sea it just it gives it a unique feel to it which i really enjoy um i think that yeah it's it's just really good i mean um i think i did once have this book which i think was done at the time um of the of filming of the sea devils called the making of doctor who yeah and and it showed like some black and white uh pictures of them out filming for the, for sea devils and everything and they were actually on water and everything and it just mm. it you know it kind of it feels i suppose in some ways it feels more grounded because it's kind of you know it's at sea it's not just in a studio space i mean yes there's still studio spaces in this story but you know, there is um, something, you know, very unique about this story because so much of it is set at sea, which, yeah, I really enjoy. I was just going to say, um, I feel that's another thing that gives it a bit of an edge over Doctor Who and the Silurians. Like, that was just a very generic underground base sort of thing. Like, if you if you just take, like, a shot of John Pertwee in an underground base from Doctor Who and the Silurians... You probably couldn't immediately identify it because it's so similar to, I don't know, Ambassadors of Death or mm. Inferno or um, Colony in Space, maybe or lots of the early stories. Whereas yeah. this, I feel, gives it a more unique feel, like you were saying, Bill, compared to Doctor Who and the Silurians, which, you know, it gives it more of an interesting feel because it's, you know, it, it's very recognisable and memorable compared to that story, I feel. And I feel that's going to be the same for Legend of the Sea Devil as well. Yeah, I, I think certainly having, you know, we've all seen the trailer. I think it's definitely got a very 
vivid look to it if nothing else so i think it's very much a story that you're going to you know recognize and remember no matter how good or bad it is it's certainly going to be quite iconic in that sense um but well i think that that'll bring our discussion to a close on the sea devils the story but of course as we're a podcast that talks about you know the dvds and the blu-rays the documentaries we couldn't let it pass but to talk about the special features also included on the sea devils dvd release obviously the sea devils has not yet been released as part of uh, the collection range so it hasn't got its upgrade yet but back in 2008 i think it was 2007 2008 they released a box set with Silurians, the Sea Devils, and uh, Warriors of the Deep, sort of all of the Silurian slash Sea Devil stories in one called Beneath the Surface. Uh, the Sea Devils got its own, I think it only got a one disc release in the end, but it got a few different special features on there. Um, I think the main kind of big feature was a, the, the making of documentary, um, which Charlie and Ryan are going to tell me more about in a minute because I have not had the time to watch it. But so sorry for my failings there, guys. But it's it's all good. Um, and a few other little bits and bobs. But uh, yeah, Ryan, what what was the uh, documentary about this story like? Um, it's I think it was just basically a sort of more like a half an hour sort of discussion about making of the story in general, talking yeah. about how they got the navy involved um, and sort of the some of the complications in that. Because looking at my notes here and um, recapping it say that they had to do a lot of they were they were arranged to do some training exercises at a different location but they were able to rearrange it to a different location so they could help film this story and yeah. even offer the production crew to sort of take part in it and the whole complications were trying to get approval from the ministry of defense and yeah. all the different various issues with that and so they had to fabricate sort of a letter to try and make sure they all went smoothly and so and it just goes to and show that they, they did try to make it go to different many different legs to try and make sure it's as as grounded and realistic as possible, trying to get the real navy involved. And Michael E. Bryant, who of course directed um Colony in Space in the previous season, he comes back to direct this one and is yeah. maybe his best one to I think it's I think it might be his best dot to directed story. Definitely, with some of the amazing shots that he was able to pull yeah. off, and, the, and some interesting tidbits about the fact that originally they were going to have the Sea Devils without any clothing, similar to the um, Silurians. Yeah. The fact they were just going to be nothing. But Michael, the, I think that it was the director to say that he didn't want that because he didn't want to, um, well, show any nudity on Doctor Who, even with aliens. Yes, so, indeed. Yeah. So they had to come with something different. And so they just found some blue-green netting, just cut some holes into it, put it on them, and that was basically it. So and that became iconic, obviously, didn't it? Yeah, and they went on to have many different costumes since then, yes. of varying quality. With um, <laughs> and Now, of course, it's samurai armour in the Journey well, exactly. exactly. It's definitely an interesting look, and... Definitely striking, and so yeah, it just goes in depth about all these different go go to the different locations, and of course, uh, interesting for one scene they were climbing. I think it was like when they were going to that island, and they noticed the ladder there was all covered in seaweed, so it was very slippery, so they couldn't have Katie Manning do it. Yeah. So they had one of the stuntmen dress up as Katie Manning, <laughs> but they could do that one bit as yeah. when climbing up the the rig and also I didn't realise this until the documentary brought it out and um, one of the submarine crewmen 
was um, the commander is actually played by Donald Sumter, who was in... Oh, um, yeah, of course. Not too before with um, The Wheel in Space and has gone on to be in One Story of the Sarah Jane Adventures yep. as well as being Rassilon in mm. the infamous Hellbent. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. So, yeah, of course he was, yeah. And and I didn't realise until re-watching this documentary and I've always been a fan of the actor, um, even though I thought his Rassilon was a little bit unremarkable. I still think he was a good mm. actor and, and I've always been a fan of him in many other films and TVs that he's done, so... Seen him pop up in the it was, it was a nice little surprise as well. So yeah, it was definitely a it was definitely a solid documentary about the making of this story. And although I do have a feeling that when we do get to the inevitable season nine Blu-ray box set, I'm pretty sure they'll deliver more special features, hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, well, it, it seems like an obvious choice for a story to do a big on-location feature with, you know, given the amount of locations they had. No, there that are available to go to and, and all of that. I feel like they'd be missing the trick almost if they didn't do something around the locations of that, whether we get um, a feature similar to what we're going to be getting in uh, season 22, the location, 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 sort of visit some locations from different stories of the season um, or the direct route or something like that. I'm sure I'm sure they'll go down that route. But uh, Charlie, what what did you did you enjoy the documentary? What did you make of it? Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the documentary. I feel for me it was somewhat of an anomaly because mostly I like, well, I enjoy watching the uh, making of for the more troubled productions. Mm -hmm. Like they're more interesting and informative, explaining yeah. why all this went wrong, like Nightmare of Eden, Time in the Rani, that sort of stuff. I feel I find that more interesting. But this was one of the few where the production was still very successful and it ended out you know, it ended turning out pretty well. But there were still quite a few fun anecdotes. Like they were talking about, um, obviously, lots of the naval um, base stuff, considering that's a very unique part of the story. And it's quite obvious mm -hmm. to talk about that. And they were saying how whenever they needed some people to go and march for them, then everyone would just, you know, be really quick to volunteer, which just showed their like enthusiasm as well. And there was one scene where I believe they told... I told someone, I think it was John Pertwee, not to use the cannon. No, it was Captain Hart, sorry. Um, and he went to the cannon anyway. And then they and then they were literally just basically improvising. And he managed to work, you know, a line about how do I use this into the actual script. Yes, and I, I remember that bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's hard to explain, but it was just a really interesting anecdote as well. And obviously what you were talking about, the sea devils and how the costume designer literally just took a random piece of netting from the set, ripped yeah. a hole in it and just put it on a sea devil costume in about 10 to 20 seconds. I, I think that was just, it's just a really fun, interesting documentary with enough, you know, fun little anecdotes and things to say to justify it having a documentary yeah. when I feel lots of them sadly from this era were such, like they were relatively smooth productions. So there's not really much to talk about for lots of them. But this was this was quite an interesting one. So yeah, it was it was really enjoyable watch. Yeah, and I, and I think it's always it's always good and always helpful when you have quite um, interesting interviewees. Like I, I always find Michael E. Bryan in particular is always a very interesting person to, he just always has some good stories to tell, I feel like, and just quite an interesting person to listen to. Um, so when you've got people like that involved, it can always, I think, just elevate those sort of documentaries. So yeah, no, it's, it's always nice to have a good making of documentary, especially with a story like this. Um, and yeah, maybe we'll get something more of it in the future. Uh, unfortunately, there's not really that much else on the, the original DVD release. So I'm hoping they'll enhance that. I'm sure we'll get behind the sofa. But I, um, yeah, apart from the audio commentary and you know the info text, you've got obviously this, the soundtrack isolated like we always get. 
Um, I think the only other thing of real interest is like a, an eight millimeter like film reel that was sort of shot on the set. I think it's the scene where the sea devils are getting like blown up by the mines that are sort of on the stones. I think I think it's that scene. Um, I th- um, it's just you know really interesting to see a sort of different angle of, of everything that's going on in that moment. Really, um, um, sort of in the scene. I think that's you know it's it's a little extra little thing. We often get those sort of little archive pieces of footage and stuff, which are always a sort of fun addition to it as well. Well, I think that's about all there is to say about the sea devils and the dvd given there's just not a lot else on there we certainly can hope there'll be a more expansive release um in the future when i'm sure season nine gets the collection treatment but yeah for us all it's a great story and you know certainly the better of the classic coups sea devil stories shall we say um as i'm sure we're not going to have quite such positive thoughts on warriors the deep next week um but that's still something to look forward to um so yeah now we bring it on seeing as from our point of view yesterday the legend of the sea devils trailer came out um our first you know more clear you know hint at what this story is gonna look like some sort of insight into it um so bill what was your initial take on the trailer yesterday um so i didn't see it for quite a while i think i only caught it like a good few hours after everyone else it seemed had seen it um but yeah when i was finally able to get around to watching it um it kind of as I was saying kind of earlier, it, it gave me this sense of fun, like swashbuckling kind of fun, which I think we'd kind of already got that feeling with like already with some of the stuff that had been revealed in um, SFX magazine and Doc2 magazine, yeah. where we found out about like Dan's outfit for the episode and, and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm really like happy that that's the direction that this episode is going in because I think like how Eve of the Daleks was kind of like a detox after Flux mm. and everything I feel like we kind of need a, hopefully a slightly I wouldn't say like really um a story that hasn't got any kind of edge or seriousness to it but a story that's a slightly lighter in tone in some places and um one which yeah is just just fun to watch um i think we kind of do need that um so yeah i'm really looking forward to um when it gets released it's hard to believe it's only two weeks away now um a bit annoyed that they waited this long to give us a actual proper trailer for it but Mm. you know i think it was worth the wait ultimately because it was a really really good trailer um and yeah i just really really looking forward to it yeah i I mean i i did think that their marketing strategy was a bit odd you know they kind of just uh, 24 hours before put out an emoji and then an hour before we're like it's about to happen and then release the trailer like it didn't really build any hype or excitement um i mean yeah there was nothing groundbreaking in the trailer you know there wasn't like a shot character we weren't expecting it or anything like that so i guess maybe there wasn't the reason to hype it up quite as much because there wasn't anything new to announce alongside it but i don't know it just felt like there wasn't that much hype around it like there was but i didn't i didn't feel like it was you know wow this is so so exciting we're all really excited like we are generally excited for the episode but i don't feel like the trailer suddenly you know changed that massively um but that's just my perspective on it um i mean charlie what's what's what did you think of the trailer um, well, like you said before, Elliot, I wasn't too excited, like I wasn't too hyped about the episode, um, mostly because I, I've been re-watching The Witter Career recently and I've just gotten to the start of Flux again, and okay. um, I'm noticing its flaws a bit more, um, 
and it's it's not amazing i don't think um like i originally put it at sixth in my new who ranking and now it's probably going to drop to ninth 10th 11th era sort of okay. um but anyway yeah um so i wasn't too hyped about it because i've been you know more excited for other things like you know everything marvel's doing and things like that um but after the trailer it actually does look really good i feel it looks very um it, you know cgi is very impressive it's very visually striking it looks like if you you know i don't think i believe you if you just said it was a trailer for a regular episode mm. you can tell that it is a sort of special it looks you know to a higher standard i feel yeah. um and i feel i'm especially excited now for just the idea that this is going to be the last normal or somewhat normal episode of doctor yeah. who we're going to get in mm. quite a long time probably until like 2024 or so true true um, yeah because you know we're probably not going to get a series in 2023 because that'll just be whatever rtd is doing for the 60th so yeah, yeah. I feel I'll just be looking forward to, like you said, Bill, an episode that's somewhat lighter in tone and just a bit of fun before we get on to the more serious um, side of, you know, the um, <laughs> the centenary special, which I can imagine we'll probably get some sort of tease for, I'd like to think. Mm, yes, I th- I'm pretty sure Matt yeah. Strevin said at the Comic-Con a couple of months ago that there would be a to like yeah. next time trailer for the centenary special because they've you know shot it like nine yeah. months ago so i'm sure there's something they can show us um, yeah they finished filming a while ago so yeah. even if it is literally just a sort of tiny clip of the master saying yeah. sasha dewan will return that'll yeah. be enough to be honest um, or maybe just a title something you know yeah i certainly think we'll get the title that's a good point because that's yeah something i hadn't thought about really but yeah we might well get a title for the last episode of the jojo career so that's quite exciting now ryan i have to ask you about something quite specific about this trailer um it, the the creature that we see sort of underneath the water that seems to be going towards the ship during it and then i think there's a shot of its face a bit later on now i have a theory and a few people have had a theory about it being a certain returning creature from warriors of the deep do you want to tell us a little bit about that and whether you think that might be the case <laughs> oh man if they somehow bring back the murk uh, <laughs> cool actually cool i mean the cgi looked cool. good the cgi looked good <laughs> uh, well and make it more effective and useful rather than just looking like a ridiculous um some ridiculous thing that looked something out of Rent a panto, so <laughs> like a panto. Horse. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, Warriors of the Deep coming soon, folks. Don't yeah. you worry. Don't I'm miss old. next week. Don't miss next week. <laughs> but I will say, if I mean, I mean, obviously, with this episode, I was already going to be a little bit like, okay, I might enjoy it. I mean, the fact that it's like a swashbuckling episode, it's, yeah. um, which is the first time we've had something like this since 2011 with Curse of the Black Spot, I think. I think that was the last time we yeah, had sort of yeah, a... I believe so. ...esque story. So yeah. I'm, I have a feeling it's definitely going to be definitely enjoyable. Um, I think it might be my... I have a feeling it might be my favourite of the three specials. I just have the feeling it mm-hmm. might be. Um, but I will say, if... I think it might be enjoyable, but if they somehow make the bring back the Merc, but actually make it really good, then already I think it could end up being the best of the Jodie Whittaker episode. <laughs> somehow take that awful design that rivals 
a certain other monster from Creature from the Pit as the worst monster ever seen in Doctor Who history. If they yep. somehow take that and make it cool, then, any, then it just goes to show that anything is possible, that anything can happen. Well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's... It, Chris Chibnall seems to have an affinity for 1980s Doctor Who. Um, I think it's fair to say, you know, he brought back the tissue compression eliminator um, with the master and the little contact thing between Time Laws and lots of, you know, Time Law mythology and stuff. So it kind of wouldn't surprise me if he went down that route um, of bringing back the Merca. I mean, you know, maybe he'll do it justice. I mean, you know, where, well, again, this well. was the monster that killed off classic Doctor Who because, True. well, again, a little bit of. Slight tease for next week. Um, this was the monster that Michael Grade used yeah. as an example of why he hated Doctor Who so much and why he wanted it cancelled. So already the Merc has proven to be the monster that has killed off Doctor Who. It wasn't the Daleks or the Cybermen. It was this monster <laughs> that, that looks like something out of a run-down um, pantomime theatre. <laughs> yeah, it's... exactly, exactly. Well, at least the um, future of Doctor Who is secure, so we don't have to worry about the Merc killing Doctor Who a second time. Um... Yeah, <laughs> that. That. Fingers crossed. Uh, yes. I mean, as long as this, if it's as, as long as the CGI is good, as long if it yeah. ends up being bad, then we could end up getting criticisms for the Merc, but on a different level. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, um, Charlie, we obviously saw a lot more of the actual sea devils in this trailer, you know, doing a bit of action, sword fighting sea devils and stuff, which looks really tremendously exciting. What, Seeing them a bit more in action, what do you think of the sort of visual look of the sea devils in the trailer? They they look really good, to be honest. I don't really have any complaints about them. I feel yeah. like love or hate Chibnall Zero, especially the most recent, you know, like Flux, um, he's very good at bringing back you know, returning villains from the classic series or the new series, like yeah. we had Time Warrior-esque Sontarans. Mm. Obviously, Weeping Angels, I think we can all agree, were handled pretty well. Yeah. Um, obviously, the lone Cyberman, the Executioner Dalek, he's handled returning villains very well, I think. Um, and I don't think this is an exception. I feel it looks pretty much like the previous Sea Devils, but obviously CGI'd a bit with a bit more polished costumes. Um and I didn't realise this before, but it's um, Craig Ells, who was obviously yep. Carvinista, who's mm. playing, um, I think, Marcissus, the, you know, the leader of the Sea Devils in this. I was reading about, yeah. um, I was reading the DWM interview about it, um, about the costumes and things and how, mm. just how completely unique each one's, like, design is. I feel it's really interesting to read about. Um, but yeah, especially, um, I feel, even, you know, even the way they move, I was worrying slightly before that it would be a bit, slightly jarring maybe the overuse of of um of the cgi but i feel you know they've really pulled it off as well and it'll be really good to see um some like sea devil sword fighting you know again reminiscent of the original sea devil story of course um, yeah I, I am hoping we get a few references to um sea devils and maybe even warriors of the deep like we were saying about the murka yeah. um so yeah i do think they look just as good as in the teaser trailer in which we only really saw just one sort of standing there, you know. Yeah, exactly. No, I think they certainly, you know, carried off a very, you know, look very impressive in the trailer itself as well. Um, and Bill, was there anything else that really stood out to you in that trailer? Obviously, we've got this sort of 
setting. I think it's in the, the 1900s, the sort of Chinese pirates idea. Um, I feel like it's another example of Chris Chibnall kind of shining a light on, I think, historical figures that we don't really know that much about um, with this sort of Madame Ching. Is it Ching or something like that? Who's like a yeah, famous Ching, Chinese yeah. pirate or something, I think, or involved in that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Was there anything else like that that you really took of, of interest in the trailer? Um, yeah, the historical stuff looks interesting. Um, like you say, it's it's another thing that Chibnall can be quite good at is lesser known historical um, characters. Um, so yeah, that will be really interesting to see how that's done. Um, yeah, I just, I wouldn't say like, I think I'm probably looking forward to the centenary in the 60th, probably slightly more than this yeah. episode in some ways. But not to say that I think this is going to be a bad episode. I think it's still going to be pretty good, hopefully. Um, but I think it's just, it is like, um, I think Charlie was saying earlier, it is going to be like the last bit of fun before, yeah. you know, everything just, yeah, um, gets, everything starts going down with the Centenary in 60th specials. Um, yeah, I just, I'm looking forward to it, but it's kind of one which, you know, again, it's, it's something which is, it seems good and it looks good and everything, but I suppose in some ways it's not kind of like capturing my interest in quite the same way as like the centenary or the, or the 60th might do or anything else that's coming out at the minute in general. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think again, it's, it's probably because of the marketing really. I think they should yeah. really have, taken advantage of because they've had many opportunities i think back during march to do at least something it, even if it wasn't a full trailer they could have at least given us another teaser or something yeah. um i'm glad we got the stuff in the magazines uh, a mm-hmm. week or so ago but even then you know they, they could have done that a bit earlier on um but yeah it, it, i think it will still be a lot of fun anyway even if it's it may not be I don't think the stakes will be that high yeah. as opposed to like the centenary special, which obviously with that being the final episode of this current era of Doctor Who, I think it's going to, the stakes of that are going to be incredibly high and mm-hmm. we're really going to have to see if Chris Chibnall can pull it off and give us a satisfying conclusion to his era. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with this one, there's not many like big stakes, but it doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, it, it can just be, a fun kind of romp in a way it can yeah. just be you know a bit of fun um that will kind of keep us going until the centenary special yeah exactly i think i i've kind of learned over the years with doctor who to try and almost just enjoy the sort of slightly less big and epic episodes i've definitely been guilty in the past and you know especially with, with series of doctor who like waiting for the big finale to come up you know the big shock reveal or the big monster return or whatever Whereas actually, I think, you know, especially at this time where we have so few episodes of Doctor Who to look forward to, we've obviously got two more this year, maybe two or three, depending on how many RTD does for the 60th in 2023. And realistically, it's probably about two years from now before we get another series of Doctor Who. So I've sort of just, yeah, kind of learned and kind of changed my perspective of like, just enjoying it for what it is that it's going to be a really fun episode of doctor who featuring a classic iconic monster that didn't have many stories is still i think really iconic and just kind of getting the real fun aspect out of that before then obviously 
turning all our attention to the centenary and whatever Chris has got cooked up for that, because, you know, he said it, it that he it could have been the last episode of Doctor Who. He didn't know who was coming in to take it over when he wrote it. So I, I, I'm looking forward to whatever little hint we get of it in, in a trailer or something at the end of um, Legend of the Sea Devils. But I also just want to in, really wholly enjoy that as a story as well. I think and that's going to be really, really important. But um, yeah, I will fine. say very briefly, whatever my feelings of the story could be, one thing's for certain, it's definitely going to be more enjoyable and less frustrating than Flux. I will say that. <laughs> yeah. Because in my thoughts on Flux, this is going to be a gentle yeah. light breeze. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we might get through this one just about unscathed. Um, but uh, Charlie, has <laughs> is, is, is the trailer raised your excitement for this episode or are you just kind of generally looking forward to it? Um, It's definitely raised my excitement for it. I was never really that hyped for it yeah. before. Um. I do feel it's it's going to be a very good episode. Probably my second or third favourite of Jovi's era. Probably mm. after Village of the Angels and I'm going to say Kablam. I actually really enjoyed okay. that one. Okay. I'm going to it. Um, mm. But yeah, I feel it's going to be definitely one of the better ones of the Jodie Whittaker era. The only slight reservation I'm having about it is the way they handle um, Phasmin, as it's yeah, called. Yes, so I was just thinking about that, yeah. That's, um, it, it, could, it could work, but if they if it does it it's a bit late really i feel yeah um, i i'm struggling to read into you know they've made a few sort of comments where they're mm. like this is a fun adventure it's it's going to be addressed but it's not a big part of the episode and i'm like what does what does that actually mean does that mean we're just yeah. going to push it to the side to the last five minutes or is it actually going to be interweaved into the story like i feel you know obviously we've talked before about you know introducing it too late and you know i think that is a that is a problem but at least if they're going to do it then i want them to kind of go all in on it and not pretend that it's not there for an episode especially when we've only got two left so yeah i'm slightly unsure how they're gonna gonna deal with that but i guess we'll have to wait and see um i will say very quickly if it's going to be another thing where they don't really address it that much it's just sort of skimmed over and they try to address it more in the last episode where it's definitely too little too late. Then it's just yeah. going to reflect my initial feelings going into the centenary special, which is that I might end up liking it, but I'm at best, but I probably won't love it because of the fact that a lot of these stuff of the Chimneleo just hasn't really been developed enough. And especially given my thoughts on it, mixed yeah. feelings on it so far, it's not going to be as satisfying. If you know to me, so yeah. yeah, it's just good. I'm just hoping they can at least try and pull it off the best they can. If not, then it might end up confirming that the Chimney has been being kind of a mixed bag, kind of pretty much kind of like the 80s, who in general. Well, yeah, yeah, it feels like Christian Noel, you know, he. Back in the 80s, he was slating 1980s Doctor Who, and now he's making 1980s Doctor Who. But, you know, there we go. <laughs> um, well, that pretty much brings us towards the end. Of course, next week we're going to discuss War is the Deep, as we've made very clear, and also we'll bring a preview of Legend of the Sea Devils. But um, Bill's not going to be able to join us next week, so I just wanted um, to give you a little opportunity, Bill, just to kind of have give you your, if you've got any other thoughts, I know we talked about it a bit already, but if there's anything else you wanted to kind of share about any hopes or expectations or excitement about this story, just as you won't be able to make it next week. Yeah, um, I basically just hope that it will be as fun as it looks. And yeah. Um, like, yeah, the, the Phasmin stuff, as you guys were saying, I hope it does get addressed a bit more than they're kind of seeming to um, lead on at the minute. Because, yeah. yeah, I think it's something which, you know, I've got no problems with. I mean, as long as you do it right, I really don't mind it at all. Um, but it does worry me that 
with like you say only two episodes to go mm. if then and if they're not going to focus it on it that much in one of those two episodes then you know it maybe they could have done something more of it perhaps in Doctor Who Flux um, um, might have been a bit difficult with how much stuff was going on but you know maybe could have done perhaps a bit more of that but yeah I just I just hope that Legends of the Sea Devils is another kind of um, it's kind of what Eve of the Daleks was as I was saying earlier kind of like a yeah. detox to just just give us a bit of fun something to keep us going until the centenary and yeah I, I just hope that it's as good as it looks yeah absolutely I mean it's probably gonna be the last sort of more normal episode of Doctor Who for two years until probably mm. this time in 2024, <laughs> given all the anniversary and centenary celebrations and whatever. So I think we can certainly try and enjoy it for that um, as well. But thank you, Bill, for that. And um, yeah, as I say, we'll be back next week to discuss Warriors of the Deep, hopefully the special features as well. I know there's an interesting documentary about that. And I'm sure, Ryan, you cannot wait to give Warriors of the Deep what another is, watch this week. It's going to be an yeah, experience. Clearly the best of the Sea Devils. Yeah, the best of Doctor crazy. Who, obviously. Yeah, oh, pray for me, people. Pray for me. Indeed. So <laughs> I, I think you might, you guys might have some idea of where our opinions will be heading that way. But I'm going in with an open mind. Maybe Ryan isn't so much, but I am. Uh, Charlie, are you going to go and try and go with an open mind to Warriors of the Deep? I'll, I'll give it my best shots, I guess. Um, <laughs> I yeah. think we'll, we'll start um, by looking for positives and then, you know, yeah. that might be about one minute of the podcast and then there'll be an hour of the negatives. But uh, yeah. As I say, it's going to be very hard for me. Very, yeah. very hard. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. But anyway, we're going to chat about that and lots of fun with the Legends of the Sea Devils as well. If there's any more, you know, preview content between now and then as well, we'll obviously be able to address that and give our final thoughts before the episode airs on the 17th of April. But that's about it from this edition of Kavam. Uh, my thanks to Ryan, Charlie, and Bill. Uh, do forget, of course, to follow us on, or well, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, on my channel, EMS Productions, so you can kind of keep across all the new pods. Um, I'm hoping to kind of bring them a little bit more regularly we'll um, be celebrating our anniversary of the podcast at the end of april as well so there's lots more to look forward to in terms of content here at kavam but that's about it for this edition and we'll see you all again very very soon bye